Exactly who is this podcast for? Captain Jeff Respools in 2022. The difference between New Year's resolutions and goals. The FWC pulls off a major bust over on the West Coast. And yet another clam project, all this week on The Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. This is Captain Jeff, and welcome to The Real Guy Podcast, the podcast by real guys for real guys. Happy New Year, everybody. 2022. I'm really looking forward to it. This will be the fourth year of The Real Guy Podcast. We're going to make some changes. We've got some new announcements for 2022. But um, first, I wanted to get into... I was at uh, the Big Bursa Man versus House for New Year's Eve the other night, and it was awesome. The spread was great. We had stone crabs, we had steak, and we had lobster, and we had great company, and it was a great way to uh, start the new year over the Big Bursa Man's. But one of the Bursa's friends that listens to the podcast was telling one of the other people there that he should listen to the podcast, and the guy asked me, he said, who's your podcast for? And I thought about it for a second, and I looked at him square in the eye, and I said, the Real Guy podcast is for people who love coastal communities. I mean, yeah, we talk about fishing a lot, and we have a lot of fishing celebrities on the show and everything, but that's because I'm a professional fisherman. But really, the podcast is about people who love their coastal communities. And I think we're going to get even more focused on coastal communities going to 2022 here on the Real Guy podcast. One of the things that uh, I do at the beginning of every year is I got to respool all my gear. And what I mean by that is going from 2021 to 2022 also goes from medium sized t- to small tarpon now to big tarpon. And what that means is I go through all the big spinners and big casters that we're going to use for this season. 2022 winter season and these are big fish and that means i respool everything and one of the misconceptions out there is people think i don't use braid well i do i use braid i don't sport my braid but i use my braid that's an old youtube thing that we did if you haven't seen that look that up it's funny as balls but anyway i put about 100 150 feet of braid on top of my mono on all my spinning gear and the reason i do that is because the fish are big and i don't have to um, have to respool all the time so that 50 feet or 150 feet ends up going down to like 50 feet once it gets down to 50 feet then I respool but I want to make sure I respool everything at the beginning of the year and I do that every single year so I'll be spending a few hours respooling all my gear and just like respooling all my reels that's what we're going to do here on the real guy podcast it's time to respool time to freshen things up get things ready for the new year so the first thing I did was um I designed and ordered some Real Guy Podcast t-shirts for you guys. Um, You'll be able to buy them on the website, and we will be giving them away on every single episode. We'll give at least one giveaway. And then we're going to do a grand giveaway. And the grand giveaway is a free fishing trip here during the mullet run with yours truly, Captain Jeff. So how do you win? All you got to do is leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or we're going to have a realguypodcast.com website, 
And if you don't use Apple Podcasts, you'll be able to use Google, and you can rate and review the website through Google. And we're going to take our favorite review, feature it on the following week's podcast, and also send you out the uh, T-shirt. We're going to work on the ratings and reviews this year. I guess that's how you get more people to listen to the podcast. Going into the fourth year, I think this will be episode 188 or 189, um, I guess it's time to get serious about promoting the podcast. I also want to thank um, all of our loyal listeners that have been with us from the beginning and the people that already did leave ratings and reviews. I'm going to go through them, pick out my favorites, contact them, and send them the Real Guy Podcast uh, t-shirt. So, I don't know, this is new, fresh things for 2022. Now, how many of you guys out there did New Year's resolutions? Every year, you know, the first of the year comes around, people do their New Year's resolutions, a whole bunch of people want to lose weight, a whole bunch of people want to, I don't know, learn an instrument, speak a language, that kind of thing. I don't know. How many people over the years made a New New Year's resolution, whether or not they were going to get a dozen? And there's been a few. There's been quite a few. So I'm not much into New Year's resolutions. I'm more like into making goals. I don't know, kind of old school way of thinking of making goals. I used to listen to this guy. I think his name was Brian Tracy. Yeah, Brian Tracy. He was my favorite. I listened to a whole bunch of these motivational dudes and guys that taught sales like Zig Ziglar and stuff back in the uh, early 90s before I became a full-time fishing guide. And the one guy, Brian Tracy, would always talk about setting your goals. Now, not only did he encourage you to set the goals at the beginning of the year, he also wanted you to, at the beginning of every single month, see where you were with your goals. But one of the things about setting goals that he preached was when you set a goal, is you never really want to tell anybody what the goal is. Because very rarely, by telling anybody what your goals are, is going to help you achieve those goals. And then once a month, Brian would tell you to go over the goals, revise your goals, see how well you did. Where you failed was just as important as where you succeeded. A lot different than a New Year's resolution. Now, I'm not going to tell you what my goals for the podcast actually are. But I will tell you that it would take the fourth year of doing podcasts in order to achieve those goals. So I couldn't be more fired up about doing another season of recordings. And speaking of recordings, I have been uh I've been reaching out to the reggae girl. You guys remember the reggae girl? We did an episode with her shoot, that was almost two years ago. You know? She grew up here in Fort Lauderdale. It totally smokes the peacock bass and the mudfish and everything like that. Snakeheads. And uh, she went over and did a trip over to the Amazon. And I've been talking to her on the phone, and I can't wait to get her back on the podcast. She did the Amazon trip. She was the only chick on the Amazon trip, and she totally smoked them over there. So coming up soon, we're going to have Kristen Maselli on the podcast. Also, Skipper Gentry. Skipper's just a good old Carolina boy, a true real guy, and he opened up a place over in Andros called Spooner Bay. And it's just a really nice place to be. I had a really good time uh, with Skipper. We have an uh, 
actually finished the podcast yet, but we did go fishing together one night, and we smoked a couple of tarpon, biggest tarpon uh, skipper's ever gotten, and it was just good to get out on the boat with him, get to know him a little bit better, and I think it'll make the podcast that much more interesting. We've had all sorts of guests, all sorts of different types of occupations, from the mayor of Fort Lauderdale to Dave Marciano from Wicked Tuna, a lot of the fishing shows like Peter Miller and George Gods and We've had just all sorts of people on the guest on the guest list. But the only requirement that I have when I'm looking for people to do interviews with or to have here on the show is I just want them to be real. You know what I mean? I could care less about who their sponsors are. I could care less how big their media is. I could care less how big their <laughs> viewership is. I just want real people to talk about real things. I mean, it's just that simple. But one of the things I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do this, but we had so many cool guests on the Real Guy podcast over the last few years, but the audience has grown so much in the last, say, eight months. I mean, that the audience is, is basically doubled probably in the last eight months, and it seems to be growing faster and faster. And you see the new episodes get all these um, uploads. But the old episodes aren't getting as many of the uploads, even though those guests were phenomenal. Not uploads, I meant downloads. And those podcast recordings are really good. So I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I maybe I'll re-edit them and then re-interview them and then re-upload them. But it's just kind of nuts because there's so many people that um, haven't, listen to them that now listen to the real guy podcast when we first started man we had nobody you know when we first started the podcast we basically had i don't know when we first started we were getting like 100 downloads a week and um, we thought that was kind of cool and then it started growing you know a little bit then it was 200 then it was 300 and now we're getting into thousands and it's just you know really kind of taken off but it's just a lot different now and i just would like the new audience because it's like two-thirds of the audience is new. And one-third of the audience has listened to, say, all 188 episodes. I would say the majority of the audience you know, caught on in like the last 80 episodes. So I'm going to do something. I don't know. I'm going to re, re, re-edit, do something, get those guests back on, and then um, re-upload those. Not sure how I'm going to do it yet, but i got to have to figure something out because there's just so many people that didn't hear some of our best guests. And I kind, of, I kind of screwed up a little bit too because I went and got, well, it's a catch-22. I went and got the best uh, guests that I thought I could get on the Real Guy podcast and had them on in the first year, which was great because, you know, you, that's one way to grow the audience. But it stinks now because now the audience is so huge compared to what it was. And you know that two-thirds of the people didn't even hear the episode I did with, say, Peter Miller. Or the episode I did with Rufus Wakeman. Or Mike Holiday. I mean, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So one way or the other, I'm going to re-upload those in a entertaining way. So if you hear some of the stuff that we did in the past get re-uploaded, hopefully you still find it interesting and realize why we're doing it. We're doing it, give the newer listeners or the majority of the listeners, an opportunity to hear the old episodes. It's not like they can't go back and listen to an episode, but who, you know, 
I don't know, I listen to a lot of different podcasts, but very rarely do I scroll back, say, six months or eight months or 10 months or 14 months to find an episode. Every once in a while, I'll do it because I'll hear about an episode and then I go look for that particular episode. But people that are just starting to listen to the Real Guy podcast, say, in the last six months, probably aren't going to go back 100 episodes to listen to some of that good stuff we had at the beginning. So I hope you guys get why I'm going to do that. The, con the conservation front, we're going to keep up, and we're going to keep up strong. And we're going to keep calling a spade a spade. But I think, I don't know, on a lot of topics last year, I might have been a little too harsh, a little too negative. So I'm going to start doing some positive con conversation, like, you know, like one of the things that just happened this week, and I've been crazy critical on the FWC over the years. But the reason I've been so critical on the FWC over the years because I... I watch them, you know, waste a lot of time and energy trying to do things that, you know, just a waste of time it has nothing to do with wildlife or conservation. But one of the things that just happened uh, this last week over in the Tampa area is the FWC came up with a major bust and they cut these guys for over 1,600 feet of gill nets. All right, now let me, let me tell you what they were charged with. Suspects were charged in a gill net involving netting of sharks and multiple fish species. All right, there was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 different individuals that, um, that were arrested. One, one count of third-degree felony used for gill net in state waters. One count of first-degree misdemeanor. Major violations pertaining to snook, two counts of second-degree misdemeanor for undersized sheep's head, 13 counts of a second-degree misdemeanor for undersized black drum, four counts of second-degree misdemeanor undersized permit, five counts for illegal method of harvesting snook, undersized snook, out-of-season snook, undersized trout, out-of-season trout, and illegal method to harvest sharks, and illegal method to harvest to harvest blue crabs. Now, they crushed these dudes. They were, you know, obviously in the wrong, and that's what we want the FWC to do and what we've always thought that that's what they should be doing instead of, like, safety checks and that kind of thing. The thing that kind of bugs me, though, is that sounds like, you know, this huge, um, you know, breaking of the law. But if you read on, maybe they'll get five years of imprisonment. I doubt it. Or a $5,000 fine. 5000 bucks, I guess, each? Might, you know, it's not that bad. The maximum penalty for a first-degree misdemeanor charge is jail or a $1,000 fine or a $500 fine. So, all right, so they're going to get these guys. The guys, the FWC did a really good job. Got the big sting operation. Got them with all those accounts. And they're really not getting punished that much for that i mean to me that's crazy like you should do, you should spend a year in jail for that kind of shit and if you're gonna go out there and just massacre a bunch of stuff well the rest of the society is trying to pay attention to the rules and do everything right and then these guys go out and do that and then they get a 500 hundred dollar fine or even a five thousand dollar fine that's bullshit it's kind of like that mega yacht that dumped their sewage tank into the intercoastal we filmed it the fwc and the coast guard went 
and uh, inspected and then gave them a warning. These are paid individuals that were working on the mega yacht that decided to dump the sewage into the water. And then when they got busted for it, they got a warning. Kind of like these 10 guys or however many it was with all those different accounts of misdemeanors and blah, blah, blah. It's not severe enough. Now, that's not the FWC's fault. They're only enforcing the laws that are on the books. So good job on getting those guys. I'm not sure what the hell they were doing with all those fish, but I guarantee you it had a lot more than $5,000 in upside, where their downside is $5,000 fine. I don't know. It's just the way it goes. Also, another story that I found just this week, brand new in 2022, and it drives me crazy because it's almost identical almost identical to the oyster project plan that so-and-so foundation decided they were going to do here in fort lauderdale after the sewage spills except this time it's the um the broward the brevard county zoo okay and what they're doing is clams they're going to introduce clams back into the Indian River. And I don't know if you haven't listened to the CCA podcast that I did over a year ago, they were going to do an oyster project here in Fort Lauderdale where they're going to put out these oyster um, farms or whatever, oyster catchers, a place for the oysters to grow all around Fort Lauderdale. And this was going to help filter the water. It was going to be really good for everything. Down in the Indian River Lagoon, the Brevard Zoo is going to, let's see here, plant get 100 clam beds containing between 5,000 and 10,000 clams throughout the Indian River Lagoon. All right, this is exactly what they did here in Fort Lauderdale. They found like 100 different places or however many different places to put these oyster catchers. This type of stuff just drives me crazy because I really think we ought to get focused on our conservation efforts. So the Brevard Zoo is going to introduce new clam beds in the Indian River. But the problem is, it's, it's like putting the cart before the horse. The reason there are no clams in the Indian River is because there's too much, what do you call it? Too much pollution, too much algae, too much bacteria, and it's killed the clams. So by putting new clams in, it's supposedly going to filter the water. The chances of them living aren't so great. Now, supposedly this is what they call a super clam. So they're going to put this clam in there, which is a new species of clam that is supposed to tolerate algae a lot better. But it also goes on and later on in the article that tells us that too much fresh water is not good. And the Indian River Lagoon is getting flooded with fresh water all the time. And if you want to hear more about that, scroll back in the podcast and listen to the podcast I did with... Mike Connors from the Indian River Keeper. So then the article goes on to say how great clams are for the environment and that kind of thing. And then they're going to get 100 property owners to participate in this program. It's identical to the one that CCA did here. I mean, I could, I could literally take this article and take out clams, put in oysters, take out Brevard Zoo, and put in CCA, and it would be identical. We've been 
watching these programs go on year after year after year, things are getting worse and worse and worse because everybody wants to put the cart before the horse. The reason there's no goddamn clams, the reason there's no damn oysters is because the water's bad. The reason the water's bad is because we pollute it. So until we quit polluting the water, there's no reason to introduce more clams to the environment. And then it goes on, and it's almost like a disclaimer at the end of the article, because they know it's probably going to fail, but then they fall back and they say, oh, but if we can get good data from it, which is the exact same excuse the CCA gave us and why the Oyster Project was such a good idea here in Fort Lauderdale. So even though it's 2022 and it's a new year, seems to me they were starting off the new year with the same old shit with a clam project. But we did start off the new year with a decent bust over in Tampa. So take a win where you can get it. I don't know, it just drives me crazy. So much money, so much time, so much energy is spent on individual projects like this clam bread project or the oyster project. And if you Google them, they go on and on and on. They've been doing them for years and years and years, and every year it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. I'm going to beat the same old drum in 2022. I firmly believe that we have to push the narrative. Until people start talking about restoring the water quality, before people start understanding the water quality, it has to become the narrative. And right now, it's just not the narrative. Not too many people really get it. People that are really into conservation, people that are really into fishing and surfing and kayaking and that are on the water kind of get it and are starting to get it. But that's such the minority. I want to push the narrative. I think everybody should, if they understood what was going on, they would get it. The problem is, is the narrative is not being pushed. You can hear the politicians talk about Green New Deals. They talk about infrastructure money, huge amounts of it. But they don't talk about what they're going to do, especially in our coastal communities, to restore the water quality. It's a lot of crap, a lot of smoke and mirrors. And until the narrative is as well known as, say, the Green New Deal or BLM or whatever, our coastal communities are getting crushed by pollution and overdevelopment. And we know it. And we still do the same thing year in and year out. And until it becomes the narrative, until everybody gets on the same page, where you don't have the Brevard Zoo doing one thing and the CCA doing another thing. And what is the narrative? The narrative is water management. Captains for Clean Waters makes it perfectly clear. It's the flow of water. It's drain runoff. The way we do the drains right now, we dump pollution in the water every single day. It's designed that way. That's the way our infrastructure works. And thirdly, it's septic and infrastructure itself. Our sewage issues in the state are unfucking believable. And it's not just here, it's up and down the coast. If we are putting, all right, real simple, you count the number of toilets, see the amount of upgrades you've had in your infrastructure system. The upgrades in the infrastructure system should become first, before the toilets. 
And this is what I mean by narrative. Until people start understanding the problems and being able to explain it very well, and then it's on TV all the time, and it's on the radio, and everybody's talking about it. The best we get right now is green, green. Everybody wants to be green. Well, all that energy and all that money that you guys are spending on being green or these foundations that are spending on these clam projects and oyster projects and fundraising and all this stuff. Where's our budget to control the narrative? Political parties spend millions upon millions upon millions of dollars pushing a narrative. BLM, millions and millions and millions of dollars pushing a narrative. The conservationists, the people that love the water, are we pushing a narrative? People can barely get it now because there's been some attention to it the last few years. If we push the narrative, then the governors and the senators and the congressmen and all the state representatives and then the counties right on all the way down to your friggin park ranger then they will have to do something because the narrative will be so loud for a brief moment in time here in Fort Lauderdale we had the narrative and the reason we had the narrative is because Broward County and Fort Lauderdale screwed up so bad that we had the biggest sewage spills ever recorded right here in Broward County. And when that became the narrative, because it was on the news stations and it was all over social media and it even got national news at, at certain points, it was a huge narrative. And from that little bit of narrative that we got from the local news and stuff, immediately the politicians caved and they started talking about water quality issues and all the different things that they would do. I'm actually holding in my hand a list of topics that the meritorial race was based on. Number one, water baskets. So the runoff wouldn't go right into the drains and, and would filter itself. Enforce the pollution rules against boats and boat repairs. Reintroduce mangroves. Have developers pay to install protein skimmers and other apparatuses. And the list goes on and on and on. And the politicians immediately started saying, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Why? Because they caved in to the narrative, which in my opinion is the most important thing that we can do to get something done about water quality. And until that happens... Until people unite, and what I mean by uniting is I mean the surfers, I mean the fishermen, the commercial fishermen, Pacific Coast, Atlantic Coast, we have to unite. And until we unite, until we push the narrative, we're going to get the same old crap we've been getting, and it's right in our face. Check out the Brevard County Zoo's new clam project. Now, don't get me wrong. I hope the clam project works, and I hope the clams take over the Indian River. But the chances of that happening are slim to none. This is Captain Jeff. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Look forward to a great 2022. And remember, always run that dog.